Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello, and welcome to the 23rd episode of the show in 2021. What show? No, it's in the fucking intro. <laughs> we don't need an intro that says this is a Just Riding Along show and then tell you this is the 23rd episode of the Just Riding Along show. We're fucking like fab rats. We tell you the same thing every 42 seconds. There's going to be a very small subset of the world that gets that joke, and that's totally fine, and I do not care. Uh, tonight's show is brought to you by Waterproof Endoscopes, and... No further, no further discussion. We should have Andrea pull up Patreon. So she has to take the mouse. See, Kenny and I are like really good at recording at the same time. So when we go to sync things, they like start at the same moment. So Andrea gives me the mouse to record. I don't record anymore because my computer sucks and it doesn't work anymore for recording or most things. But it works for most of the things that I need to do. And I'm just. Are we going to name off her? Hell yeah, we are. Sweet. We lost someone redacted their donation, but. People have made up for it by upping their donations. I would love to know who. I'm just really We're curious. We're not going to call them out. No, no, air. like off air. You want to start at the bottom? Yeah, start at the bottom. Uh, so at the $10 level, we have the real Matthew. Ty, Taylor, Scott, Phil, Parker, Nick, Ben from Mountain Bike Radio, Michael, Lucy, uh, Lead Out Sports, Josh, Josephine, Jeff. Why the fuck aren't you scrolling? <laughs> I didn't know if you could read while I was moving. Jamie, Jake, I definitely can't read what's not on the screen. Uh, you missed the whole name on that one. Josephine Exotic. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Uh, that is previously Jenny Talia, now Josephine Exotic. Let's see, Jake Davidson, who just joined the Nissan Frontier Mini Truck Club as of... Those trucks aren't that many anymore. The, the com- beds I mean, are comparatively mini. speaking to current... Full-size trucks, they're small as shit. So, okay. Gordon, Garrett, Evan, Brad, Bill, Anthony, Alec, Aaron, and then swapping over into the $20 group, we have Troy, Six Pack Outdoors, Mike, Brady, and Affordable Trail Solutions. And we had... Sorry, I've got to scroll here for a second. I can edit the dead air out. Well, while you're doing that, Andrea... Uh, Wolf Tooth Components sent uh-huh. us a couple of multi-tools. Oh, yes. that's right. So Those are wonderful. thank you to Brandon of Atso Cycles slash Wolf Tooth. We've got a little, I'm not sure what everybody else's says, but mine's got engraving on it. Maybe yours aren't What's engraved. I don't want to make you like guys feel bad if you guys didn't get custom monogram. No, ones. ours weren't engraved. What is yours say? Oh, dang. Mine says full face Kenny. <laughs> No, ours are engraved. But yeah, would oh, be funny if they were. No, but <laughs> but that's something they did a limited edition. It was kind of one of those things like, hey, we're gonna make a run with special engraving. So you like, so was that redacted or no? Upgraded? That was that was um, someone upping to oh, going okay. from five to ten, and it just didn't show up in that list yet. Oh, okay. So we'll get there. Um, but yeah, like so they did a run where it was like, hey, we're gonna like make some in- some like custom ones. And you got to order them now, and we'll ship them later. That's my understanding of it. And I was like, fuck, I should buy one of those. But I'm a cheap bitch. And then some were just gifted to us, so it was amazing. I like the magnets in there. Yeah, Andrea plays with her magnets a lot. 
So thanks, Brandon. He's a super cool dude. Uh, we were just texting earlier because I rode my Voitech today. So I'm going to write that on the list because we're not ready to get into that. So the way that the uh, old Patreon works is it like shows who's in the what list after like every month. It's like, give me that money. And then after you've like done the give me the money thing, it puts you in that list. And uh, Frank Stanton was not in the $10 list yet because it, it hasn't been through like one of the like pay cycles since he changed his uh, thing. Uh, let's see. Brandon sent us some cool stuff. I think that's it. I think maple candies are in root, which is really interesting. Oh, God, I love maple candies. You know, I'm going to guard those like your dog guards things from the big dog. Shit. Like, I'm care. just going to stand over it and growl. I don't really like maple candies. I just knew that you'd really want them, so I requested some so they'd be here for you. I fucking love maple candy. But moving forwards, I want to talk about bad news, and then I want to get into good news. I have a pepper grinder made by William H. Bond. I believe that's the company, W.H. Bond. Uh, I've had that thing since, like... College? Like fresh out of college, like fresh out of high school. So you know you probably... can get you can get pepper grinders and pepper for free at restaurants. You know that, right? Uh. <laughs> I remember what restaurant was that that we used to go to? Was it maybe just like a Chipotle or something? And they had actually taken the pepper grinders off of the hot sauce bar because people were stealing them. And I thought, wow, that's fucking terrible. And now we know Kenny steals pepper grinders. That is correct. If it is not glued down, I'm going to take it. (laughs) I'll tell this story because uh, I won't name them. But one time I the the first time I ate with this one person, they looked down at their chopsticks from the restaurant and they were a color that they really liked. They're like, damn, I'm keeping these. And I was like, really? He's like, you bet your ass I am. And he like, like licked them and like wiped them with a napkin and like shoved them in his backpack. And I was just like, well, fucking all right. Is it someone who would listen to the show? It is. It is a listener. Oh, okay. You know the person. Okay. You can just tell me later. So my pepper grinder broke today. Uh, it's really old. Is this at all related to the show? <laughs> I was, I was waiting for how this is relevant. Keep going. No, I mean it, it, it's just been a good run. They. They cost 45 bucks, and it lasted for literally years, over a decade and a half. So it's pretty cool. Uh, if you need a pepper grinder, you should buy one from them. You know what I don't like, though, about that situation? And this happens in a lot of yeah random it, industries. Is like it has When something has a lifetime warranty or guarantee, and they require you to mail it to them when it's broken... When we have this wonderful intertube system where I can digitally mail you a photo of the thing that's broken so we don't have to use actual physical mailing until you're ready to send me a part or a replacement for my thing that is broken. Yeah, I guess that would be the bummer. They have a lifetime warranty, but it's like, mail your item to us with a $12.50 check included, and we, if we deem we can repair it, we will, and then mail it back to yeah, you. Yeah, like, that's a, that, that goes even a step further. Like, they want you to pay for shipping both ways when their well, their guaranteed product is broken. No, like, for me, the bigger problem, though, is I look at it, and I'm like, well, that's like $20 in shipping at least, and I could just buy a new one for 45 and 
not go an indefinite amount of time without my pepper grinder. That's how they get you. I'm more saying, though, like I've had this for so long that I don't necessarily feel like it needs to be warrantied because it's just lasted for a really long time. But moving forward, so it's the 23rd episode, and I bought a 23-tooth cog this week, last week, whenever. You oh. broke the internet. I did. Uh, and th- for those of you that want to know, yes, I'm running 3222 because it's a 3423, which mathematically is very fucking close to 3222. Yes, that's an easier gear than you run where you live. Yes, I understand you ride up steep hills with harder gears. No, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running 3423 for two reasons. One, I want to be able to pedal uphill and not bleed from my eyes. Because self-admittedly, I am very out of shape for myself. And number two, the bike is belt drive compatible, meaning the chainstay is gigantic, so it has enough stiffness that the belt won't pop and derail because the bike's a noodle. Can't have a noodle and be a chain drive com- or belt drive compatible. Bike has to be pretty stiff from the rear axle to the rear or rear axle to bottom bracket axle. There's only a there's like a minimum allowable or maximum allowable of deflection, so really stiff chainstays, which means larger chainstays help with that. What that means is if you run what would have been like free for me if I ran like a thirty twenty or a thirty twenty one, the chain is fairly close to the chainstay, and if you don't run your chain super tight, then you'll see that the chain can bounce and hit the bottom of the down tube. By running thirty four chainstay or bottom of the chainstay, yeah. Uh, by running thirty four twenty three, it moves the chain out and away from the chainstay, making the bike much quieter in that regard. Yeah, and the bike's been riding really well. I've done I don't know how many rides since we recorded last. Time is a construct made by man, and there is no god, so I have no clue what day it is or what. In reality, my schedule changed this week, so I just don't know. It's Wednesday. I know that it's Wednesday, but I shouldn't work tomorrow, but I'm working tomorrow, so nothing feels normal. And also, I was a bu- off a bunch last week for Christmas, so, yeah. I rode my... I did. Oh, I I performed my own cardinal sin today. I rode a fat bike on dry dirt. And How did that go? It was fine. I mean, it definitely wasn't... I don't know. It, it, it wasn't as fun as riding, like, I don't know, a rigid 29er. But it was fine. I wanted to go out and dial everything in, make sure I, I put hydraulic brakes on that bike. I was running BB sevens more because that's what I had. So I wanted to make sure the bright the brakes felt good. Uh, just kind of to get the seat height dialed in. So it I mean, sounds it like high. this is a fat bike that belongs to you. This is like your fat bike. Yeah, I have a Voitech. Oh, we both do. I've had a Voitech for like over a year now. Fancy. I got to demo. A couple of years ago, I got to demo one briefly, and it was, I kind of feel the same way Matt does. Like It's actually more fun than the the fat bikes that I've ridden on single track. I think it's it handles more like a normal mountain bike than it does a fat bike when you ride it on dry single track. It's a lot of fun. Like When they say this could be your only bike, yeah, maybe. Depending on the type of riding you do, where you live, I think there's, it's it's feasible. It wouldn't you know the stuff i do it wouldn't be my only bike but yeah like i could see 
if I just wanted to have one bike, I could see putting 29 plus wheels on it in the summertime and riding it that way when it's dry. You know, for me, the only thing I really had to think, because I'll ride my rigid bike. I mean, I don't want to say anywhere, but like most stuff I could ride on my rigid bike. I would just be like, hey, I'm going to walk this thing because it's hard, right? But today I was just like, I could ride this or I could ride that. But if I ride this, there's fewer sharp rocks to fuck up my tires. So I did pick where I rode a little bit, but it was more in a tire and rim preservation way. Because it's fully rigid. It has no dropper or anything. So, you know, to... Take it down something that kind of gets gnarly. My fear was like hitting something and or like geeing out and then hitting my ass on the saddle while my rim is trying to touch the ground already. And then it's like, oops, I broke my rim. Oh, did you do the A-line on dude abides? A-line on dude abides. It's like the big slab thing. A-line on dude abides. I didn't ride dude abides. Oh, right. That was yesterday. I rode Dudabides yesterday. Yeah, okay. So do you and I did. swap any wheels or anything on this Voitech? No. I I don't want to own more than one wheel set with this axle standard, so no. You know, it's it's 15 by 150 in the front and 12 by 177 in the rear, so I'm not going to buy a second. I'm not going to build 29 plus wheel set for this bike. This Salsa... Well, my timber jack will clear two eight in the rear. It's not. It's one of those things they call two six clearance, but the internet's like, nah, man, you move the dropouts back, it'll hold a three zero, no problem. If it gets really muddy, you might have a problem. So, so what is what is plus fat? Is that just twenty seven five fat, or is yeah, that something different? It is twenty seven five three eight would be like plus fat, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's it's. I never understood the plus fat thing on there, but we both have 26 inch wheels with four inch tires. And if you. Like four O's or four sixes? Four point O's. Oh, those are so skinny. They are. And I tried, you know, I was hoping because the Schwalbe Jumbo Gym measures three eight or something, I was hoping that the Jumbo Gym 4.8. Would measure like 4.5 or 6. Yeah, I was hoping that it would be a really small 4.8. And so I tried to put one on and it actually cleared the frame okay, but it rubbed the chain because the tire wasn't true, which is not necessarily a Schwalbe Jumbo Gym problem because I've seen that with lots of fat bike tires that the tread wobbles. And yeah, it had like a lot of casing run out. I yeah, think and so like the. It. There were two or three spots on the tire that as the wheel rotated, if I was in the 50, the lowest gear, the tread would rub the chain. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's that's it. I did that today. I got it all dialed in. And I was going to, I promise I was going to take it easy. And I was climbing this trail. There's a place where two trails kind of intersect. And you easiest way to put it is they come together in a very mellow angle. You're up on Little Rattler, you're climbing up Burn Pile, and you can see someone before probably 100, 150 yards before the trails converge because they come together at a really shallow angle. You know, it's not like a 90 degree. Pretty much some guy gave Matt the look and Matt went after him and made him cough up blood or something. Yeah, Matt, the dude gave me this look. He saw me and was like, click, click, and started going noticeably harder and i was like the fuck you are <laughs> uh, so i buried myself and i'm like man he's he's 
probably pretty far off. And like I did a little check. Uh, by the time I got to where I saw him, I'm like, ah, he's about this far. And then the next time I saw him, I'm like, definitely closer. And we went up a climb. And when the climb ended, there's a pretty good corner. And I come around the corner, like pinning it. And he has his foot down, gasping. He like took his water bottle out of his mouth and said something like, have fun. It sounded like that kid from Malcolm in the Middle. So that was my day. And that, what are you going to do then, though? You can't slow down then. So I just had to do the rest of my ride hard as shit. <laughs> Kenny does that sometimes. Kenny, do you do that on your e-bike to people? I really don't mess with people on the e-bike. I think that's probably not a very nice thing to do. But for sure, on the analog bike, I used to do that kind of stuff. It was fun. I'll do it to people like descending. That's about it. So. Yeah, people oh, like when you fly up behind somebody on a descent, and then they oh, look yeah. o- and they look over. I mean, you already flew up on them, and then they look over their shoulder, s- and they're like, "When oh, they try I'm to go faster, to, I'm going to try to go fast now." And one of two things oh, happens: I hate that. you either stay they on their crash. rear wheel or they crash. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. God, that happened to me so many times in the the Winter Park Cross Country Race Series. They started the oldest group of masters men before the Cat One Pro women and we inevitably would catch the back it was they started five minutes before us and we would catch maybe the i don't know typically i'd catch at least three if not like five or six of the last place dudes and man there was this one dude one time that i caught up to him and i was leading and the next lady back caught me because i had to slow down so much going down this descent and when we dumped out on this road we went past the dude because we were yelling at him the whole time. Like, both of us were like, get out of the way, let us by, get out of the way. He just was ignoring us. And he looked over his shoulder. It wasn't like this guy has a hearing problem or something. Like, he would look over his shoulder and try to go faster, but not go much faster. And we got on this road, and she just dressed this guy down. I mean, she called him so many names. Even I was like, damn. <laughs> and we kept racing, so... My uh my best one was it was it's similar to this but a little different. First ride on the spot rocker, I like get to the top of this climb, and these people are there just chilling, doing their thing, and they were kind of you could tell they were looking at me like oh shit this dude's on a single speed at the hardtail and he's wearing spandex and it was like three people on trek, you know they had a slash a fuely x and a remedy like they just had the whole trek family with them right and they were like uh but um uh and i was like i'm gonna go this way i'm gonna hit dude abides and then i'm gonna turn left on north backbone just as soon as you catch me just let me know i'll pull over out of the way and i just dropped in and pinned it and i never saw him because just looking at him i was like i know that i'm gonna go faster than you down this and then the traversy parts, I'm definitely going to go faster than you. So I'm just going to go now. And if I happen to be in your way, you let me know. I'm not going to ask. That's a that's a good way to do I'm it. I'm not going to ask all three of y'all to get around with your off-leash dog. I'm just going to go now. Bye. And it worked out great. All right. Kenny, what have you been up to? Christmas vacation. I went to Memphis. I didn't see a whole lot oh, of damn. riding people. But, yep, hung out in Memphis for a little bit and then went to Knoxville to visit my parents and some other family. It was all good. Uh, I How did, was Memphis doing? It was fine. I don't mind Memphis. We ripped around uh, 
in all the super hood areas on the motorcycles. That was pretty fun. Christian? Yeah. So I rode I rode a KTM uh twelve ninety adventure. It's like that hundred and forty or hundred and sixty horsepower like monster crazy upright touring bike. They're hysterical. Like it'll just spin tire all the way through third gear. Uh yeah, so it was super fun. That was a good time. What else? I got a pretty cool rental car, got a Toyota Supra. So for those, No, you did not. So for those car people out there, uh it was rather unimpressive actually. Um I meant to go do I'm sure they've watered it down a little bit. Yeah, I I meant to go do Tail of the Dragon in Knoxville, but it just between the weather and time, I just didn't really have the time to do it. And it was super rainy. I've already done some rainy laps in rental cars uh, on the on the tail of the dragon, and I don't want to push my luck because uh, yeah, when you wreck the one Supra that they have in their rental fleet, they tend to notice it. Anyway, that car I didn't realize, so not to go on a whole car tangent, but I think most people can probably appreciate cars and motorcycles. I didn't realize that thing is just a BMW Z4. Like that's all it is. I oh, thought really? it, I, I thought it was like either. a super fancy thing. Yeah. Anyway, it was also the four cylinder version, which should be illegal. No. It was just. It felt like uh, it felt like a GTI, which is nothing wrong with that. Like GTIs are great, but it made the power, and it kind of had the power band of just a GTI, like a little modern turbo four cylinder, two hundred fifty horsepower. Anyway. Uh, we did. Do they make an inline six turbo? They do. I, I don't know anything about it except that there's a new one. I don't really. I didn't know much about them either. And yes, there is a six cylinder one. And yeah, you can get chips for them and do all kinds of crazy things. But in stock form, for fifty plus thousand dollars or whatever they cost, the four cylinder one was. Um, well, I'd say if I bought one with my own money, I'd be pretty disappointed. You should just buy a used Corvette. Uh yes. Yeah, I I'm, Yeah, just get like that C5. I'm pretty sure that an automatic convertible C5 Corvette would be faster in probably every way than the four-cylinder Supra, which is so, a shame. So, Kenny, I have to ask you this so we can we Okay, I'm going to ask you this and we're not going to discuss it, but we're <laughs> going to let people's heads explode and send me all sorts of messages. Okay. Is a Corvette a supercar? No. Okay, that's it. We're done. Wow. Keep let's let's just move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> what else we have? Uh, yeah, Ro- drove a Supra. It was cool. Put like a thousand miles on it because I drove it to Knoxville. Uh, anything else about the car? I don't really think so. Uh, if you're curious, it is the uh, at least to about eighty to hundred miles an hour uh, from a dig drag race multiple multiple times it is the exact same speed as a 2008 toyota rav4 v6 (laughs) (laughs) so 10 plus years ago toyota made a car that's just as fast as their four-cylinder supra that held way more shit that held way more shit uh so anyway Maybe there's a Supra owner out there who's going to be really bummed out, but them's the facts. Uh, I'd like to drive a six-cylinder one. I'm sure they're way better. I think they make like 100 more horsepower. But anyway, that was my rental car so. uh, adventure. So yeah, I'm fortunate enough to have a buddy who works at a rental car place and always gets me really cool stuff. So thank you. Uh, what else? I did a whole bunch of maintenance on the old Suron, replaced a bunch of parts. 
haven't done a whole lot of mountain biking. It's been snowy and cold here. We're probably due here in the next couple of weeks to start doing some down south runs. So I'll let people know how that all goes. No new bike parts. I haven't really resolved my TRP brake issue. I will. I did move over the caliper to where it's basically almost rubbing on one side all the time. So when it warps over to the other side, uh, it doesn't rub. And I did have a message out to TRP about it and they said they would get back to me. And that was like a month ago. So yeah, I mean, that. technically they could still get back to you. They could still get back to me. There I need was, to follow Kenny, up was on that. Thanksgiving. And then why get bothered starting on this when there's Christmas right around the corner? It's and then tough. it'll take a while. To, oh, can we talk? Sorry, go ahead. And then I want to talk about a company doing something kind of cool. Okay. I think that's like really about it. Is there anything else new that's happening? Anything exciting? Work is work. Uh, everything's going good. We're shuffling stuff around in our store and kind of like refreshing stuff and building a new location and expanding to other locations. So yeah, everything's good on that front. You got any extra epics and extra large? (laughs) No. Okay. Epics epics are probably the hardest thing to get, to be quite honest. Cross-country race bikes are really, really hard to get. Stump jumpers and your usual trail suspects are also difficult to get. We're getting them trickling in. Probably the two hardest bikes to get right now in the specialized world, if people are curious, are full power Levos of any kind and Epics are super hard to get. Pretty much every road bike that they make, Crux, Athos, like you name it. We got a couple Athos in. Yeah, still hard times, but we have a lot of bikes, just not necessarily the bikes that you want. Other parts are trickling in, you know, SRAM's trickling in, Shimano's trickling in. So it's not like full doom and gloom, thank goodness, but yeah, it's still really tough to get stuff and forecast stuff. So everyone just be prepared. If you guys think that 2022 is going to be where you can just hop on the web or go to your local shop or whatever and get whatever you want whenever you want, it's just not the case. So maybe don't do things like sell your current bike that's pretty darn good to think you're going to get something else. Like be very cautious about that and be prepared. Like be prepared to wait if you break something, unfortunately. And maybe if you can get some spare stuff, do that. That would be pretty smart. I have been telling people that I fully recommend both personally and professionally, do not sell your current bicycle until you are riding and happy with your new bicycle. That is very good piece of advice. Because it's in the mail. Well, guess what? It gets fucking smashed by FedEx. It's not like the old times and Specialized can overnight another one out. You know, it's it, it might be six months before another, you know, for argument's sake, if it were me, an Epic XL, uh, Epic Pro and XL comes in. You know, That stuff so happens don't. to us. Like, you think that I would be kidding here? One in 100 bikes that we get, in fact, it could be closer to one in 50, is destroyed on a pallet. Like a fork went straight through the entire box and punctured a battery and the thing lit on fire and they just delivered it that way. It's insane (laughs) how much stuff gets damaged uh, in freight, which is bizarro too because it's like wrapped up in a pallet and you lift up the pallet from the bottom and it just goes on a truck. 
it's not like Kenny, getting... haven't you ever seen forklift fails? Uh, that I have. doesn't they're, always happen. They're awesome. But it's way <laughs> different than like a package that like goes on different airplanes and then goes on six different trucks and goes on a million conveyor belts and gets kicked to your front door. This is like business to business. Like Salt Lake City, that bike was fine in a warehouse and then it gets forklifted that's fully wrapped up. And it's like the bike in the middle of the pallet, too, is somehow exploded. <laughs> it's unreal how many damaged bikes we get. And so the whole moral of this story is it really sucks for us when that happens, especially to somebody's essentially special order bike they've been waiting on for a year, and it's exploded. And now it's like, this really sucks, because not only do we have more work to do to get all this stuff fixed, but I Specialized cannot and will not send out another bike because they don't have another bike. Well, it's not that they will not. It's just they physically, they, they literally they cannot. cannot. Yeah, and let me... Right, it's not like they're going to say, clear. well, we're going to send you a bunch of parts so you yeah. can fix this one. They just, they just, their hands are tied by a lack of inventory. Yeah, and let me be clear. I'm not mad at Specialized about this. It's just something that happens, and I'm using Specialized as an example. The freight company did it, but they can't... Specialized cannot make it right because they don't have the ability to make it right. Right. Even if the freight company, let's just, I'm going to throw a number at it. Okay. The freight company like credits their account eight G's for this, right? Specialized can't turn around and give you another bike. Nope. You know, it's, they can't go to the freight company and say, well, go build me another Canevo because you fucked this one up. Like, uh, so positive news. Um, I bought a YT this year. And I got a little like holiday thank you card in the mail today about that. And a, I mean, it's not necessarily, I don't want this to come across the wrong way. I'm not really into the top cap that they sent. It's like a, you know, YT's whole thing is like unchanged or uncaged. Sorry, I'm reading it through the bubble wrap still. And it's pretty cool, but like, I'm probably not going to run it, but like, it's a really nice touch that they were like, hey, Thanks for shopping with us this year. And it's kind of corny, but it's like also kind of like heartfelt. It's like things are really weird and uh, times are tough. And we appreciate you as a customer because uh, you're keeping us going and hopefully your bike's keeping you going. So is that like, is that like the top cap that's supposed to go to your bike that they sent you later on down the road? No, no, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's another one. I now have two. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's good news. I should say that. I'll run this top cap if you don't want it. I'll, I like that. I should send in a support ticket asking them how to run to it once just to make some guy like have to go get a cup of coffee and be like, what the fuck? Yeah, be like, I, re I really like and trust my OEM top cap, but I really want to install the second one that you sent me. How do I run both? Oh, my God. Oh, I should send a picture of them stacked up and be like, this just doesn't seem right. <laughs> like running two stacked up. Oh, man. I don't know what else to talk about. We have a handful of questions. Yeah, we got we got a few questions here. Yeah, we got 20 minutes left. We should probably hit some questions. I have one in my email from Brady. Well, let's get that one, and then we'll do... Uh, we had a very specific specialized frame question on Patreon that we were saving for Kenny. Um, but you can do that one first. So he says, Helium. I love my inner child out this weekend, and I filled my fat bike tires with helium. <laughs> The scale I was using said I dropped a pound, but then I waited the next day, seeing how much it leaked out overnight, and it weighed more than it did before I put in the helium. I don't know. Maybe it's a scale. Either way, it was fun. Now I need to figure out what to do with the rest of the helium I bought. 
Oh, did you ever get a package from Brady with truck nuts in it? I did, yeah. yeah I didn't did. know that was Brady, but yes. He says, P.S. I spray painted Kenny's truck nuts gold before I shipped them. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that, yes. Oh, boy. So, I would attribute that to a lack of repeatability in the scale that was used. So, yeah, make sure bathroom scales what, did he say f- are yeah, terrible a- for that stuff. Yeah, was he using a bathroom scale or Probably. a hanging scale? Yeah, the bathroom scale is bad, and especially if you have it on like uneven an uneven surface, it's going to be really bad. I don't know. That was it. That was all I had. Oh, okay. Do yeah. you want me to read some more questions so your voice doesn't blow up? No, it's doing okay, because I haven't been working because it's the holidays. I'm going to go to a Patreon question from Lucy Stool. Oh, can I read this? Yes. Major thank you for the extended Q&A session with my last questions. I loved it. The discussion has me thinking about possibly swapping parts to a new frame with 150 travel. During my search, the Stump Jumper Evo sounded like a sweet bike. Still researching frames, but a frame a friend mentioned that some of the specialized frames have some side-loading issues that can cause problems with coil shocks. The threads discuss these issues are here, and there are some on Pinkbike and eMountainBikeForums.com. What are your thoughts? If this is an issue, if I never put, or if I never plan to run a coil, will it increase wear on the standard air shock? Do I need to consider only specific air shocks when fitting them on the Stump Jumper Evo frame? Thanks, Lucy Stool. And just to piss Dicky off, um, the specialized frame won't have any bearing on your front forks. It was a joke because Dicky's blog made fun of us saying front forks this morning. Oh, like. Like, Instead of saying fork, front fork. So, I mean, sometimes we're reading listener questions too when we say that. So, he, but I think, not was, always. Like, I think it was Dickie's just... way of saying he likes us, but without actually saying he likes us because Dickie's an asshole. <laughs> I don't think Dickie's an asshole. <laughs> I don't either. He's I'm just, just being like a, turd. a curmudgeon old guy. Kenny, what is your thoughts on side loading Evos? I don't know if it's like a side-loading issue. My understanding is essentially it's just the overall length of where the two mounting points are, which is going to include the length of that yoke. And most, Mm -hmm. so many bikes have yokes now. Like that's a pretty standard thing. Um, But the between the two points in which the whole like assembly pivots gets quite long. So it wants to bend that damper shaft, uh, which is very bad. You don't want that to happen. Can I... Fox says no. Fox says bad on most all bikes. You'd have to do some research. I can't remember off the top of my head. There's so many nuances in the length of those yokes between all the specialized models and Levos and old stumps and new stumps. Some can run Fox coils. Some cannot. I think that RockShox has come out and said that they don't care that you can run them on whatever. But if you look at it, the RockShox stanchion is larger than the stanchion on the Fox coil. So that's probably something to do with it. Uh, what else about it? I don't know if it's a side loading issue. My understanding is that it's like a, an up and down bending, if you will. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that, the deal. That's what I was. Is there a problem? Interject. Is there a problem with air shocks? No, I don't think so. I haven't really seen any premature wear on any shocks whatsoever on any stumpies or levos. So no, I don't think that's an issue. I think it's really focused on the longer travel bikes with the longer eye to eyes and Fox. I think that's the problem. 
So you're saying that it's a problem with the shock flexing vertically and not side to side. Well, yeah. imagine okay. imagine holding up a rear shock in your hands and trying to like bend that shock in half essentially. That's what's happening. I can actually imagine that because I've watched slow motion videos of arrows being shot and so I I have that picture in my head of how that would happen with yeah. pushing up on your rear wheel, doing that to a long from rear mounting point to like top mounting point shock. The the way that I understand it, because I've I've ran into this issue on other bikes before. There, there's and a term. Is, there's a term. I think it's called pushing rope. Right. <laughs> so as the yoke length is exceeds a certain number and i don't know what that number is it, what happens is is we refer to it as side loading as an industry because it's the same forces or the same like wear patterns but what's happening is is the yoke and like the trailing end of the shock that intersection instead of the yoke compressing the shock that junction tries to move towards the water bottle and the i mean the shock wears just like side loading but what happens is is it expedites the wear on the seals and then the damper pukes really hard so it is i mean it's still side loading because it's a, a sideways force instead of like a normal compressing force it's just not side loading in the sense of like i have a 2012 superfly and when i corner it's like a swing bike and my front and rear wheel don't line up anymore <laughs> well that's um, a separate issue that will happen on some full suspension bikes where the shock compresses but it also is forced to move side to side because there's there's so much lateral flex in the frame or in a pivot sure and that'll totally wear stuff out but it won't that won't bend stuff in half this wants to bend your shock in half that's what I'm saying. Like it wants to move. And my understanding is, is it's because it's moving the, instead of the shock compressing, it's trying to move the shock towards the water bottle. Yeah. Or up towards your top tube, but it's trying to bend that thing in half. Yeah. And, and the reason it doesn't affect air shocks is because the stanchion is so huge. Yeah. So. There's that extra, there's not only the damper shaft in the middle of an air shock, but you've got the whole outer part, which gives it a little bit of support. Right. That's that. I think the moral of the story is don't run a coil. Yeah. People are enamored with coils. I, I don't know why it's the only thing I've seen out of them truly is that the small bump compliance can be quite good. Outside of that, but it's always the big hit guys that want them. And it doesn't make any sense because they're terrible at big hits. I, I just don't, I don't understand. They don't, they just don't have the progressivity that you can get in an air shock. And also they look cool. I, I guess they look cool, but they're heavy. They're usually expensive. And go look at the top level, uh, world cup DH folks. And yeah, I get it. They're going to be on some new technology from time to time, but also no, because half of them still run tubes, uh, you know, for, for good reasons. Like they have different stresses on the spikes, but anyway, that's a whole separate topic. What I'm getting at is they have a decent amount of choice in what they can run. And a vast majority of them, from what I've seen over the past few seasons, most of them run air shocks. So I have a good reason for that pretty fascinating well 
probably just quick tunability would be the big one. No, their runs are so short that the shock doesn't accumulate the heat. Yeah, maybe that has something to do with it. And and I guess that's one other positive for a coil. I will give them that since it's more ventilated, the actual damper oil is closer to the outside air compared to an air can setup. So maybe that's an issue, but anyway. Your insides are closer to the outside. <laughs> there you go. How long is I mean, isn't a downhill run usually five like, five minutes? They're like two to two to five minutes, I think, just depending on the on the course. I think they're usually closer know, to five. How, how fast they're going though? Like I know they I go mean, I know that's so a relatively freaking short... hard. Yeah, like that's a relatively short period of time, but that's I'm guessing the force the amount of force you could measure going through that shock, they're going so fast, would probably be equal to like a normal kind of fast person doing a 10 minute run or something. What, I, what like I'm that's getting a totally at. totally non scientific, you know, estimation, but. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm getting at is if something is good enough for World Cup DH use, I think it's going to be fine for your trail bike. People just want so badly for coils to work. I, I don't know. I don't. Here's I just don't thing. get it. When you pull your bike with a coil out of the back of your truck, it looks cool as shit. Yeah, also, they look they look really neat. I, I'm not going to disagree with that. It's like looks all motocross bike, but I mean, eh, I don't know. Also, the envy effect, right? We talked about this a decade ago, probably literally. No one's going to spend. $1,300 with the coil for a push 11.6, put it on their bike and go, oh, this kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> they're going to be like, they're going to be like, yeah, it's sick, dude. I just need to get three different coils to figure out which one I like. I've seen a coil with a remote lockout and I love it. <laughs> That's wonderful. Do you want to move to the next question? Sure. Okay, this is one from Instagram from... Well, his Instagram name is of guilt, and he has on his profile his name is K Bova. I know his first name, but he doesn't have it on his profile, so I'm not going to say it. Why have we gone backwards in cycling optics? Fashion or are larger retro M frame glasses better than they were a decade ago? I think they are. I've ridden in I don't know eyeball slightly larger than eyeball sized glasses before. And I've ridden in glasses that look ridiculous on me because the lens covers my entire face and goes from like helmet to cheekbone and ear to ear. And those are fucking awesome because there's no frame for you to see out of the corner of your eyes and they just protect your eyes from shit. Like just more coverage on your face so less stuff hits you in the face. I don't think I've ever seen anybody look cool in small glasses for real i just no you just look like a cop yeah it looks <laughs> weird i i just saw <laughs> the matrix again uh the other day and yeah keanu reeves looks hysterical in those tiny ass sunglasses that he's got on for the whole movie and i i have some hand-me-downs from you gave me those uh glasses i'm wearing now haven't you those smiths yeah you gave me some glasses because i lost two pair of sunglasses in one summer and yeah i lost my nice oakley's i'm really not happy about it so he gave me these older smiths that are smaller lenses and i posted a selfie of me wearing those with a hat that had a really curved brim 
and super fan Stan was like, you look like the police <laughs> or you look like a cop or something. I'm like, I looked, I'm like, yeah, I really do. Like, there's, I can't even defend myself. You're exactly right. I look like a cop. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll hop in with my two cents. Uh, we talk about glasses. I think glasses for cycling have evolved to essentially be trying to figure out the right way to word this so it doesn't come across as too stupid. Uh, goggles for your face? Well, y- y- okay, let's talk about, yes, but no, but yes. What <laughs> I was trying to say is we figured out how to make goggles that you can wear in the summer. I think that's the way to think of modern cycling glasses because goggles are awesome. They're just hot. And if you can make something that has all the, let me rephrase that, not all, that has a vast majority of the coverage of a pair of goggles, then I think you're going to be awesome. Uh, One of the things that I run into with smaller glasses is I find that on the edge of the lens, there's often maybe like a little curve or, you know, maybe the, the printing um, pit vipers are the biggest offender here like pit vipers have i don't know if the newer i have not looked at them in a long time but apparently they have remodeled from their very square cataract surgery style glasses well i had pit vipers and like they distort at the edge of the lens and by the lens getting bigger if the edge of the lens distorts it's no longer in your field of vision and with my like i have oakley Sutros, I think. God, they're amazing. And they don't have anything really printed on the lenses, and they're really big. They're awesome glasses. I just need to order new lenses for mine. No, let me phrase that. As summer gets rolling, fresh lenses in mine will do great. I, I did take a, a 270 scope to the frame of those once. I was helping Andrea sight in her rifle and that didn't go perfect. Uh, apparently, when you shoot a high-powered rifle in a puffy jacket, it is very easy for it to slip off your shoulder. So, But yeah, I think glasses are just getting... I think they're just better. Yeah, I mean, I think they are doing some retro styling for sure. And I don't know, like that it can look... Uh, no cycling sunglasses really look great. And honestly, the ones that I think look the best when you're riding, like when you have a helmet on look the weirdest when you don't have a helmet or a hat on. They're like the Oakley what's the ones that I had that that I lost? Jawbones? No, I don't think they're jawbones. Flight controls? Yeah, that might be something like that. Flight jackets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's flight jacket. Those don't have a rim across, a frame across the top and the way they're cut lets them ventilate really well. With it, it makes a little air gap between you know, like your temple and your glasses, basically. And they're really good for riding, but if you just put them on by themselves, they look really silly. But I don't, I don't know. My face doesn't look that great in any glasses because I have a really small face and my eyes are real close together. So I think it's some fashion and a lot of function. That's the breakdown. Sorry, I, I went down a rabbit hole of shopping for lenses for my glasses already. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, let's do one last one from DJ S. Cause. Scause? I don't know. Someone on Instagram, 505, wants to know, best and worst Christmas gifts you ever received? I'm not going first. 
I'll go with, I, I remember my worst one, and it's from when I was a kid. I got a pocket knife for Christmas, and when I was a kid, I used to wake up at 4 a.m. to open Christmas presents. I was terrible, <laughs> and <laughs> I got this pocket knife, and I tried to use it to open one of my other Christmas presents, and it closed on my finger and cut down pretty much to the bone, and I bled a lot and didn't wake my parents up. I just kind of wrapped a paper towel around it and kept opening Christmas presents, and then my parents were really horrified when they came downstairs. This was like a Santa Claus present that wasn't wrapped up, so like I... Yeah, I like cut the shit out of myself and bled a lot. And I'm sure my mom was really mad at my dad about it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I think not that year, but maybe a year or two after I got a I got a Nintendo for Christmas one year and I went nuts just like the kid in the video and lost my biscuits. And that was probably the best Christmas present I got. The happiest I've ever been with a Christmas present other than like getting some money from my parents. That's always good. You know, if you get some Christmas money as an adult, you're like, fuck yeah, I can buy groceries this month. Um, all right. I, I feel like I'm going to struggle to back that one up. But <laughs> I don't really have a bad one. I would say I've just had some like milk toast ones, you know, that are just kind of meh. It, it's really tough when you are a cyclist and your family's not into cycling and you get cycling adjacent gifts. They mean the best, and they're just not always very useful. So sometimes that's, I don't want to say, a, that's not like a bummer. That's not the right way to put it. It's just more like, I know you tried really hard, and I appreciate that. But I don't know that this is extremely useful in my life. Um, <laughs> the best one, though, I think I was 16 years old, and my great aunt got us, and like realized this is in the South, and this stuff all came from like Dollar General or Fred's. Um, if you're familiar with Fred's, it's like a regional kind of Dollar Generally. It's nicer than Dollar General, maybe. They have a pharmacy. Yeah, or they used to anyway. It's I don't like know if they still do. It's like the the quality. It's of like product. if Dollar General was a grocery full grocery store. Do they have groceries at Fred's? Uh, they have the same sort of groceries you would get at Dollar General. Okay. Non perishable. Anyways, they had a little <laughs> more any it. I got like a everyone got the same stuff, and it was like two pairs of jersey gloves, one of those aerosol cans of window de-icer, and an ice scraper for your windshield <laughs> with a little broom on it. Right, that's the most practical thing ever. Yeah, because like they don't have sizes, they don't have everyone, and see that part of my family. Maybe not the most affluent, but hey, we're going to get you something that you can really use because everybody can use an ice scraper. Everybody can use a new pair of gloves. And I still, the ice scraping section broke off, but I still have the broom. Uh, and I got that when I was like 16 or 17 years old. So it's it's over 15 years old now. And I still use the broom in my truck in order to like sweep the like it has a topper on it and I like sweep out the bed with that broom still and every time I use it I'm like thanks Aunt Ollie you're the best what about you Kenny I wish I had like an amazing story on a terrible Christmas present I don't I can't think of any like 
super disappointing Christmases or terrible gifts or anything like that. But most years, especially when I was like really young, so probably from age, oh, I don't know, probably five to five to 12, something like that. For the most part, I got like power tools, which was awesome. <laughs> and my parents would always get grief from like other parents because they, you know, other classic American parents who are like over sheltered and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, I oh, can't because believe- their kids would come over and be like, why does be like, why does Kenny have a drill? Yeah, because I'd get so like, you know- put holes in shit, Susan, you dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd get like a circular saw or something. I'd be like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. Uh, I don't know. Like it was, I, I don't know. I just you get you learn you figure out what not to do. And yeah, don't let the pocket knife close on your finger. Yeah, I think it just gave me a healthy respect for things. And when you're around that stuff a lot, uh, it's that stuff is not scary or intimidating. Not like in a bad way. Not in the I don't have any fear way. It's the I understand that this thing will lop my hand or arm off. So I'm going to not do that. Anyway, I enjoyed doing like carpentry stuff. I had a little wood shop in uh, in a couple of our houses. And yeah, it was uh, always fun. So I would get like, yeah, I would get a power tool or two each year and build up the collection. And that was fun. So I always appreciated that. Oh, But I, I, I do remember my parents saying, especially as I got older, they were like, man, when we used to get you stuff like younger on, other parents would like get wind of that and think we were like horrible people. I'm like, well, that sucks. <laughs> and they're probably stupid. So don't worry about it. <laughs> dude you talk about like having that healthy respect for stuff right mm-hmm. my dad had a welder like forever right yeah. to this day if i'm like watching a youtube video and someone's gonna like weld on something or obviously weld on something you know if there's welding in a video i'm still just like nope i like squint and look away i'm like uh-uh because i learned it you know six years old you can hang out with dad in the shop but if i'm gonna weld you have to turn around and like not watch don't stare into the sun child or try to like wear this welding helmet that weighs as much as you do and you can watch that way you know so of course i wouldn't put that thing on i would just like look the other way you know so (laughs) to this day when someone's welding on tv or on youtube i'm just like well no don't look at that all right well we have been at it for a pretty long time, so I'm gonna shut this down. Is that alright with you guys? Shut her down. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your great pads. <laughs>